Welcome to another edition of Unplug It, our eighth episode. And big thank you to everyone for getting around episode seven, our first to top a thousand listens, which is really encouraging for what we're putting together and, and hoping to, to build on through the 2020 season. Thanks to uh, Nick and his team as well for organising some stickers for cars. So if you see the Unplugged stickers on cars, uh, you can certainly uh, jump on board and, and get some of those and help to spread the love for us as well. We are going to be joined very shortly by Steve Lenny, the Pro Scout uh, within the St Kilda Recruiting Department looking at current AFL players. So obviously that was a very busy period for the Saints with, with five trades coming in. But there is a lot to talk about. We'll go through the fixture a little bit later on with our season starting against North Melbourne on a Sunday afternoon at 10 past one. Probably strange timing for that fixture, but uh, good to get a Melbourne game first up in any case. Uh, we'll also take a look at the AFLW fixture, which came out this week as well with Four home games at Moorabbin for the girls. And, and of course, uh, St Kilda will return to Moorabbin as well on the 20th of February with a clash against Hawthorne in the pre-season comp, which I think is the Marsh Community Shield. So we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on as well. But a very productive trade period. So incoming five, outgoing three. We then lose uh, Jack Nunes in the aftermath of that. And we'll also talk a little bit about Paddy McCartan and the, and the sad situation around him, but at the same time also encouraging. I think for anyone that heard the interview, it's, it's probably a little bit better news than it was, even if the story itself was was harrowing to, to hear. Uh, Darren Parkin is my name, Nick Splitter, and Aaron McGrath are the co-hosts. Nick, uh, welcome. And uh, it was a busy trade period, but we got all the other fish we were after. Yeah, thanks, mate. Very happy with the outcome of the trade period. I think, I think we were all a bit concerned that we had this kind of you know, bonanza of players that, that were nominating us and, and all of a sudden we're a destination club and we didn't know how we were going to pull it all off. But, you know, credit to um, to James Gallagher and Simon Lethleen and, and Steve, as we'll chat to a, a little bit later on, uh, for getting it done. You know, they, they did everything that had to be done and, and, and they got the guys through the door and, and, you know, across the line. So really good job. Um, you mentioned the uh, round one game against North. That's kind of the St Kilda slot of the yeah. last couple of years, isn't it? The <laughs> Sunday, Sunday afternoon game. Uh, one o'clock start or, or, or so, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be an exciting season. Yeah, just looking looking at that fixture, I think the the two games on the Saturday night are GWS Geelong and Gold Coast Port. Now, I know we probably couldn't have two Etihad games on the same day with Essendon playing Freo, but I'm sure they could have done something to put one of those interstate games on the Sunday. I know it's not the VFL, so people will sort of say that, but just to get another game in Melbourne on the Saturday would have made sense. But but HG, I think as Nick was saying, getting the uh, Getting all of those targets, when it, when it got to about 7 o'clock on deadline day with half an hour to go and there were still three trades left for us to do, it was a, a little bit nervous? Uh, a little bit, but can 2020 start now? Um, <laughs> it, that, that trade period, I mean, we, have, we haven't seen one like that before. That, that, uh, Malcolm we, White? Malcolm probably probably White 2000 would be yeah. the last time, yeah. I mean, how, how much did that bring everyone back to the club when that happened? all happened as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, I mean, pretty much started that year with a new coach, which we're basically doing again this year as well. Um, mm. But... Just to have be able to get all those players nominated, be able to get them all in through the door. Yes, we lose a couple, but that that's progress. That's what we've got to do. But our, our list has improved. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that. I mean, the players going out, I mean, Jack Stevens and, and Josh Bruce are two that stand out. I mean, Blake Akers, you always had in the back of your head that, that Akers might burst on one day, but, but how long do you wait for that? And he may go and do that in Perth with, with Fremantle, yeah. but... It's been a tease, I guess, in that sense. Jack Nunes has, has probably struggled for his best footy for for a couple of years. Uh, was a good soldier and 
certainly not one that you want to see walk out. Josh Bruce, you you miss, but you got to give a bit, I guess, to, to get something. And, and Jack Stephen was a, a champion of the club who uh, unfortunately went through circumstances that, that many had to leave. But I think St Kilda had to spice things up a, a little bit. If, if you take out 2018 when they only won four games, they've had a three-year period where they've effectively finished in the middle of the table. So they've been a competitive side, but... You've got to find a way to shake things up and be a bit better than that. Yeah, I think we all, you know, we all kind of get used to the players on our list, and, yeah. and they're, they all become favourites, and they all become part of the family. And, and you know, we're, we're sad to lose guys like Jack Stephen and, and Josh Bruce. They're, they're kind of club favourites, and, and Josh Bruce, I think, especially from a a, a culture perspective, yeah. is, is one of those guys that looks like he, he brings the group together, and, and the boys all seem to love him, and and the fans love him, and, and that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day. You know, footy is a is an evolving game, and and the list has to has to evolve at the same time. And to be able to bring talent into the club, sometimes you got to let talent out of the club. And and you know, Josh was one of those guys. And uh, you know, I, I don't think he'll be too upset given the deal that he's he's walking yeah. into with the dogs. And yeah. and it's a pretty good environment over there. And he's obviously got a few familiar faces in you know, I meet Baines and, and those guys at, at the club already. Um, Jack Stephen, obviously four time best and fairest. You, you never want to see that type of player walk out of the club, but. Um, he's been a great player for us and, you know, credit where credit's due. He, he served his time. He, he performed wonderfully well for us over, yeah. over a long period of time. And, uh, at this stage in his career and, and in his own you know personal life and stuff, he, he had to make a decision and he did that and, and all, you know, all credit to him. And, and I, I wish him the best of luck, you know, except against us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure if the uh, Bulldogs podcast offered us a better, better contract, we'd walk over too, but yeah, that's, it's it's not becoming a bit more common now with the free agency coming in. It's, it's still evolving the free agency system that's come into the league. Um, it, it, I mean, looking at we got the NFL on the TV behind us at the moment. It, it, it's a commonplace thing over there for players yeah. just to move, but over there they don't even get a choice. They use like little pawns, basically. This team wants this player. Okay, you can have this one for them. And that's basically it. Yeah, so it, it's going to become probably a bit more like that over mm. over the years to come. Yeah, I think fans as well, you know, we're so used, we're so passionate about our footy club and, yeah. you know, we, we live for the footy club. We're, we're lifelong fans, hardcore fans. Um, players are, uh, this is their job. You know, mm. It's their livelihood. Um, you have to make the best decision for, for yourself as a, as a person, as a family. Some of these guys are, are fathers. They've got young families. They, they want to be close to the family. Um, you know, it's not it's not a passion project for them. This is yeah. their job and their livelihood and they've got to make the best decisions for themselves. But for us too, I mean, we... We support the club, and, and as harsh as it sounds, they're temporary custodians of Absolutely. the club. So you'll barrack for the club before they arrive, whilst they're there, and afterwards. And, and obviously you'll support them whilst they're at the club, but it's the nature of the industry. And referencing the American sport again, that a lot of with a lot of American sport, because of the changing, you get supporters that follow players around. So if you're a LeBron fan, you just go from club to club to club. It doesn't happen here. It's not like, oh, I'll barrack for Tony Lockett, so now I'll barrack for Sydney or, right. or whatever it may be. It just doesn't quite work like that. Because at the same time, the teams could actually move the next yeah. day as well. So exactly. we're, we're not going to have that here, which is another thing. And, and no, no player right. is bigger than the club at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, in, in our sport and yeah. our sporting landscape, you know, the club is the be-all and end-all. It's not that kind of egocentric, you mm. know, player, player-centric mm. environment. And on Jack Stephen too, as a, as a quirky one, 183 games for the Saints. Only one other player has left St Kilda on 183 games. Who was that? Tony Lockett. Tony Lockett. So, <laughs> there you go. Um, so Jack, I mean, look, he's in good company. Loved his words, obviously, when, when he left the club. And he could tell deep down, sort of reading people's body language, that he didn't want to leave St Kilda. That was, that was obvious. Um, 
but he felt he had to. And, and I think most of us sort of understand uh, the reasons behind that and the challenges he faced. He wanted to, to move on 12 months ago. The club said, look, you're too valuable, and, and he was. Um, and he demonstrated in the back half of the year with the match-winning performance against Frio uh, what he could still, what he could still achieve, and yes, he'll make you long better, and that grinds my gears a little bit. That mm. <laughs> they'll pick up someone that that'll, that'll sort of help them. But look, if if Jack gets a flag at Geelong, then that's that's not, running, that's uh, not uh, such a bad thing. Yeah, I think uh, as as pure footy fans, I think we'd all love to see Jack yeah. Stephen in full flight. You know, he's great to watch. He's, he's a great football player, um, and he plays the right way. And, mm. and we like to watch him when he's playing well and he's he's happy and healthy. And mm. you know, good luck to him. But our decisions are about obviously trying to win our next flag whenever that sort of happens to be. But I guess ticking them off, um, a few we knew were going to happen. Brad Hill we knew was going to happen as much as there was a lot of sparring between both parties. But uh, what do we make of that? I mean, some would argue we paid a lot. We did. I don't think that's necessarily too much when you factor in everything that came back the other way. But yeah, he's the one that, that, that instantly has a, a really significant impact on the group, one of best and fairest just a, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think the deal was done looking at what the full package of what yeah. we are getting in and getting out was. Yeah. Um, and it sort of levelled itself out in the end because we did some other deals. We probably won by a little bit. and We won the Butler trade, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, for sure. Yeah. So the whole thing levelled out in the end when you look at it. Um, we can't really single out that trade as a, a loss because we did what we did to get him into the team. I think um, when, you, when you look at the assets that we went into the trade period with mm. and you look at the, the outcome of that as a whole, I think we've done incredibly well. Mm. Um, to bring in, in the calibre of Brad Hill, of Paddy Ryder, Dougal Howard, mm. and then you get Zach Jones and, and Dan Butler as well, I think – you know, we know that you've got to give something to get something. Mm. And, and Brad Hill is an elite footballer. Um, you know, we, we knew that we were going to have to pay overs because he had two years to go on his contract. Um, but he's, I think we mentioned in, in the very first podcast that we did, that he is the exact type of footballer that mm. this club needs and, and has needed for a while. Uh, foot skills, pace through the middle, you know, ha- has that X factor um, and, and does all the things that we're lacking. And to put it in perspective, so we started with pick six. We knew that we were going to have to lose that to get Brad Hill. We were able to turn that into Ryder and Howard and still have a first rounder and use that to get Hill anyway. So you got you end up with Ryder, Howard, Hill from that starting base of pick, pick yeah. six. Mm. Uh, obviously, there are other picks exchanged along the way. But for people who look at it and go, oh, pick six and all of this other stuff for Hill, I'm like, well, we also got yeah. Ryder and Howard effectively with that exact same selection. Absolutely, yeah, and still so. managed to keep our first round for yeah. next year as well, which I think everyone kind of thought, especially once the uh, the Ben King contract was signed, I think everyone kind of expected that next year's first was going to be on the table mm. for you know the, the Hill trade, um, and to keep that is, is really valuable. I wouldn't worry about, I mean, to say contracts are signed, I mean, either he, and this is not about sort of pillaging other clubs, but... He either serves out that contract and is available or he breaks the contract anyway. I mean, all the contract does effectively is gives the Gold Coast more bargaining power, which would mean we might have to pay a little bit more yep. and stops the talk during the season. So Ben King doesn't have that floating over his head for the, right. uh, the entirety of the season. And I think Gold Coast would be paying incredible overs for the next oh, yeah. couple of years yeah. to, to have him signed. Um and like you said, it doesn't necessarily mean that he, he doesn't leave Gold out, Coast. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we still have that conversation next mm. off-season and the following off-season, um, potentially through the season as well, you know, depending how things go. But uh, Gold Coast will be paying him a fair, fair amount to have signed that contract for the next couple of years. And you know, if we want him in, in a year or two, we'll have to do the same. Yeah. yeah. And you find probably most Victorian teams will be asking the question too if he exactly. does improve again and on top so. of what he's done this year. Yeah. Um, so you... 
the asking price then goes up again. So yeah, I mean, obviously, step one is that we we want Max on the park and and playing well and and demonstrating what he's capable of, and and hopefully he's playing at Moorabbin on the the twentieth of February. It'll be a nice one, but um, Ryder and. And Howard. So Howard, obvious tick, a long-term defender, hopefully. I know Kane Corns was, was obviously a big rap on, on him and, and didn't like it from a Port Adelaide point of view. Paddy Ryder is, I think, 34 or thereabouts uh, at the start of the season. Um, he said that he expects to play more forward, which is good because when he was at Port, he was frustrated that he wasn't number one ruck with Scott Lysett coming over. So my concern was, would he still be frustrated if Marshall's number one ruck here? But he said, look, Marshall's a future star. I accept he's a number one ruck. I'm the understudy. I'll play a bit forward. And I like that a lot That because you don't want Marshall almost having a gap year where he, he plays at centre-half forward. I mean, he, he can be a good forward, but you want him to play... I would think at least fifty percent of his footy in the rack. Riders, riders there to be his on-field coach. Yeah, that's basically, right. yeah. he'll be co- the amount of talk he'll be having with him while they're on the field. He he will just be telling him where to go, where mm. where players are looking to be. Where he'll teach him the game. That's right. I think he, we we go back to that Port Adelaide game. Oh yeah. The, you know, the, the soul destroyer. Yeah. <laughs> two Ray. players on the field knew what was happening there. Hundred percent, and I think that sort of stuff will be invaluable to Rowan Marshall. I think that the one thing that kind of was not as big a part of his game this season as, as he broke out was his ruck work, his, his actual ruck craft and, and tap work. You know, Paddy Ryder is going to be a great coach for that. It's funny if you, you talk about if you could get into a time machine and go back to any point in history, people are like, oh, you know, I'd go back and you know, whatever it may be, sail on the Titanic, go and, you know, do this, do that. Uh, I would stand on the 50-metre line <laughs> in that game at the front of that contest and just yeah, stand the, in the way. The yeah. dragon Blake Akers up to there. Yeah. Where, just stand there. Nice just, bump on Robbie Gray as he comes yeah, up to the stand contest. There. So he's either got to step around you or kick the ball earlier, Yep. win the game and probably yep. play finals. But, yeah, that's yeah, right. That's where I'd go. But, yeah, Dougal Howard. So how do we structure that defence now, do we think? So Carlisle fit, Robertson looks pretty fit, Wilkie had a great year. Um, probably means Battle moves, I imagine. You'd think that Battle's the one that, that mm. moves forward. I, I think any of those guys would be hard-pressed to miss out on a spot in, yeah. in the best 22. Someone might. Um, someone might have to. Yeah. But I, I think you know, Howard was one that kind of came out of the blue you know, halfway through that, that trade period. Um, really promising type. I think he, he destroyed us. Yeah, that game in, in China. Could, yeah. could Battle potentially turn into that bigger midfielder? He could. He, he, he's something we've he talked could. about. Yeah. 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 Um. He's got the body size, but he's, he's also got he's reasonably well. quick and he can tank. run all day. So yeah, he could. When you got the t- another team who's got that bigger midfielder like a Crips and that sort of thing, he may move in there just to try and negate them and go back the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Webster Geary in defence too, and that it both hardly played. So it, it definitely squeezes Battle out. I would think as good as he was. Yeah, he, he was good. Yeah. He, I think he proved that he can play consistently at at that level. Yeah. And, but I also think that it, it will help. He's a natural forward. Yeah, he is. I think that 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 year learning mm. defence and and how to read the play from that side of the ground will help him in his forward craft and reading the ball from a, a forwards perspective. Uh, and obviously, you know, probably be a, a fairly new look forward line next year with with Membry, King. And potentially battle, and, and Rowan Marshall spending more time there. St Kilda have had two players win the Rising Star Award. Both of them won it as defenders, and they were Nick Rewalt and Justin Kaczynski. Yeah, that's right. Obviously, yep. ended up going forward after that point in time. Um, Dan Butler sort of like that. I'm, I'm one who thinks that. So he he started in the Premiership year in 2017, and I thought he was Richmond's best small forward through 2018 until he got injured. He did a hammy in about round 18, missed the rest of the year, and didn't play finals either. 
and then struggled to get back into the side because they had Sydney Stack and obviously Castagna and Martin resting forward and, and all of these sorts of players. But I think for at least a 35-game stretch, he was Richmond's best small forward in yeah, a good team. Just, he's just been squeezed out. Yeah. That, that's as simple as it is, I think. And he's just looked and gone, okay, opportunity, where can I see it? And likes to look of what we can offer, offer him mm. and said, all right, well, give me a go. And I think he brings a, a different element to our forward line as well. We've got a couple of small forwards that are, are kind of quick and, and pacey around the goals and, and kind of know how to find the goals. But he gives a, a, a different element in terms of his toughness and his contest ability um, that you know guys like Loney and, and Parker potentially don't have as part of their games at this stage. Um, and I think that he'll, he'll give us a bit of a, an extra edge, a bit of a, a kind of battle toughness. Uh, in, in that forward pocket era that, that we haven't had for a while. And Zach Jones, the, the other one who brings that leg speed in. Um, experienced player, can, can sometimes be iffy with his use of the ball, and I think that comes from the speed. He often mm. kicks the ball running too quick, and but finds it. And, and if you look at his numbers, sort of track his numbers over the last couple of years, he's, he's put a, two or three tidy seasons together and, and gets a fair bit of the pill and, and should enjoy under the lid, I would think. Yeah, you'd think he, he would like it playing at, at Marvel mm. every week or every second week, but... Um, another another guy who's really tough at, at the ball mm. at the man, and and adds pace, which is something that we've sorely lacked over the last couple of years. Him and him and Hill on the wings is, I guess, a, a pretty dangerous proposition for for opposition midfields. You know, yeah, for we haven't had that. And I think by the sounds of it, he's happier being back in Melbourne too. I think um, it just anyway, everyone saw the post from his brother as soon mm. as he got down here, yeah. all got picked by us and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think just being down here may change him a little bit as well. And yeah, if we if we work on him, and as you're saying that, just that disposal that he struggles with, just just take that last two steps, just steady, steady, steady it. Yeah, and he there is a reasonable player there. There's, there's well, a bit of that element of you know the, the childhood Saints fan coming back to mm, the club. And, oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of that romantic story, I guess, which which is always fun. We mentioned it that we bid farewell to Jack Stephen, club great, uh, Blake Akers, uh, Josh Bruce and Jack Nunes, who have all at various times have served the club well, particularly Josh Bruce, who's had a 50-goal season and a couple of others along the way. Also some delistings, Bailey Rice, a father-son that unfortunately didn't work out. Uh, Brandon White, uh, another one that uh, that was moved on from the list. Was there another or was it just those two, I think? Well, anyway, White, I was a bit surprised yeah. with, to be honest. I, I thought he was right on that cusp of mm. being in the team. But obviously what we've done has sort of gone, well, now your spot might not be there. Um, you feel like Robin yeah. had said, look, I'm no good. I can't be in the team. He would have been out and White would still be there. Robbie but, Young, the other one. Robbie Young, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But I guess even, even if Robbo didn't or doesn't come good, then I think there's still a whole lot of depth in that. Defensive mm. unit now, and with guys like Joyce, who's been on the list for a couple of years, and that they signed to a, a an extension during the year. Yeah. Um, obviously, in those smaller smaller defensive positions, you have got Geary and Wilkie, and, and those guys, yeah. Savage. That that you know, Rice and White aren't going to get a game ahead of those guys, yeah. and for them to get a game, we'd have to be decimated. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're not players that are, that are necessarily, and with all due respect, going to define us either way. And that's sort of the way I see Jack Nunes, where Jack Nunes was a, a good, solid citizen for us, but our success or failure in coming years is not going to be defined by his presence or absence. No, you know, we've got too many players like that. It's a shame because he, yeah, he was a good, he was a sure. good, solid servant for yeah. us. And, and a couple of years ago, you know, before he kind of became the whipping boy, I guess, mm. of Saints fans a little bit, he he looked like he could be a future leader. 
Mm. Um, you know, whether it was a, as a vice captaincy or within the leadership group or even a potential well, future captain. 2016, he actually was. Um, so yeah, yeah. You know, he looked like he was going to be a really important part of our club for, for a decade. And it is a shame to see that that happen, but he has, I guess, fallen off a little bit um, in terms of his form and, and his value to the, the, the club on field. And he'll be at Carlton, unfortunately, uh, shopped around as a free agent, didn't get any offers, so now he's a delisted free agent with compensation. Wouldn't have been that heavy. We're going to uh, step inside the St Kilda recruiting team now. We've spoken about the deals, and uh, Steve Lenny is a man who uh, helps put all of those together and, and does a lot of the behind-the-scenes work that we don't see, so he's going to join us now. Dan, it went right down to the wire, but you're officially a saint. How did it feel, mate? Yeah, pretty exciting. Um, yeah, my heart was beating pretty fast towards the end of the trade period, but um, yeah, pretty stoked to be a saint and really looking forward to it. Picture surface of you online over in Bali with the new colours on. Did you take that jumper over with you? No, nah, one of the boys actually went to a market in Bali and picked it up for about 10 bucks and uh, yeah, I was just waiting for the for the uh, trade to go through, then chucked it on and got the photo, so yeah, pretty stoked. And what drew you to Moorabbin? Uh, yeah. It probably started with rats and, and gags. Um, they were, yeah, really, um, really good to me in, in my meetings with them. And um, yeah, I suppose it's a great part of Melbourne. Um, the facilities here are unbelievable and a real young and exciting group. So looking forward to being a part of it. Well, it was a massive trade period for the Saints. Five players in, three players out. Still more to play out over the journey as we get sort of closer to the draft. But we are delighted to have our first in-studio guest, Steve Lenny, the AFL Pro Scouter, looking at talent within the AFL system, so not so much the other uh, next generation draftees, but those that are looking to to make the move and those that perhaps might be gettable. And, and it was a very fruitful and productive period for the Saints. Steve, thanks for, for jumping in and joining us. Pleasure, guys. Now, uh, one that I'm sort of curious on, but with, with the amount of players that have nominated St Kilda, so some we knew about for a while, Brad Hill, Zach Jones, some we didn't find out about until a little bit later on. How does that process work? I mean, we pick up the paper or, or jump on Twitter and Dougal Howard has nominated St Kilda. Now, I'm sure you don't get a phone call from Dougal Howard saying, I want to play for your club. Clearly, there'd be other steps uh, along the way. So how does how does that come about, that, that Dougal Howard is on the radar and then comes to notify? Um, well, every player's different. It's, um, some of the players are in contracts, some of them aren't in contracts. So uh, James Gallagher is always in contact with the managers during the course of the year, and we'll, we will have identified the type of player that we wanted you know, probably 12 months out for the list needs. Um, so then you just stay in contact with the managers and, and if they're in contract, sometimes the managers bring them up to you or um, you ask about them and they might say, oh, look, yeah, no, nah, he's looking to move or so forth. Um, yeah, that's probably the, the general general rule of thumb is that James just stays in contact with the managers most of the time. Um, basically, who who really gets like the last say in who we pick up and how we're going to deal with them coming in and all that sort of thing? Well, it's all done through list management. We have our list management meetings probably every three weeks. Uh, players are discussed, positions are discussed, strategies as discussed as far as going forward, all that sort of thing. So um, it's not something that's – it's generally a consensus, um, yep. what we need to get, what's available. Well, uh, my, one of my main roles is to make sure I identify the right types of players that, we, that we're looking at and that the type of players that will help us in the future. So, you know, I'll bring up these players, James will bring up players, um, and then we'll discuss who's the right fit, and then we'll go and go to work and do the work on the players. So you mentioned um, identifying those kind of main players that, that we target. Who who kind of comes up with the requirements for the type of player? Is, is it James Gallagher or Simon Lathleen that says, we need a wingman that's, that's, you know, 
22 to 26 years mm. old or mm. kind of how does that process work? Well, it's a, again, it's a list management um, strategy that you sit down and work out where you need to take the club, what you need to do with the list. And, and your strategy then is based around that. So you're trying to fill certain needs and really the Pro Scout part of it and the trade period part of it is filling the gaps. Um, it's when you get to the draft, it's bringing in talent really. So we, we identify the gaps in our list, uh, where we need to get better. There's input from the coaches um, and uh, we make a decision on the type of player that we need to get. Uh, and then we group that group that type of player together and go and do the work on them by watching them play, yeah. <laughs> So we know contracts don't matter perhaps as much as they used to. I know contracts are contracts, but you've seen players move that might be sort of two or three years into a contract. When you're scouting players, is that now a case where you'd look at somebody, Brad Hill, for example, who had years to run on his contract, and in the past you would have thought, well, that's the type of player we need, but he's got years to run on his contract, so we wouldn't have even looked at that? Or or is it a case of we need leg speed, and these are six or seven guys that we think are gettable regardless of how long they might have left on a deal? Yeah, generally, look, the contracted players are generally not on your target lists, but you're actually watching them. You know, mm. part, of, part of my role is to make sure I'm, I'm over the top of every single player in the competition um, because quite often you'll uh, start the year off with a, with a target list of players that you need to fill your needs and um, you'll be watching the other players at the same time, but then maybe halfway during the year a manager will call Gags or, or James will speak to some, some of the managers and they'll um, say, look, you know, this this guy wants to get home or or whatever, and then therefore you jump on board and start doing the work from that from that point of time. As long as that person fills the, fills the needs that you've that you've got. Yeah. So based, um, say a player does come up on the radar for the team, and we're thinking about it. But along the lines of say Dougal Howard, he's not playing AFL at that time. If you don't think he's going to get another game, this sort of stuff, do you personally fly it yourself, or do you get someone to go get vision or? How, how do you go view what he's doing at that point to see whether, yes, he's going to fit into the team? Yeah, Dougal's an interesting case. We've been following Dougal for a couple of years. We really liked Dougal um, all the way through. We knew he was a contracted player. Um, but uh, he sort of fitted one of the needs that we had, which was the last line defender, uh, another key defender. So he, he, whilst he wasn't on the list, we've always... Um, Liked what he did. Kept an eye on him. Yep. Yeah, and kept an eye on him. Um, it just so happened that towards uh, the end of the year, they couldn't find a spot for him in their, in their defensive uh, side mm. of their game, and they pushed him forward. And then from there, he went out of the side into the sandful. And we'd been following through him through that whole period. So it sort of, a few things fell into place. Um, so then we were able to sort of take the opportunity to to get in contact and find out what was going on. And, yep. yep. Where Where do you see Dougal's best footy? I mean, obviously he's been used a bit forward, a bit back at, at Port, and, and he's kind of, you know, in the media, they talk about him being a swingman and, and that sort of stuff. As, as kind of the guy who who's charged with watching him and, and mm. kind of creating the, the dossier on, on this guy, mm. what's what's your view on, on what his best position is? Well, we've, we've got him mainly, we've got him to play down down back as a key defender. He's got some fantastic attributes of speed, agility, his athletic abilities, his ability to mark the footy and then spoil the footy as well. So he fitted that purpose for us perfectly. We know he can play a little bit forward. Doesn't get as much of the ball forward, but he can take a really good contested mark and hit the scoreboard. And he has played a little bit in the ruck as well. Unfortunately, he did his knee when he did, but I mean, he has played in the ruck. So he's a very versatile player. Um, so he fitted a need for us absolutely down back, and that's where we see him playing. So when we see situations like McCartan stepping away from footy for a year, we know St Kilda have got Ryder in to sort of assist in a ruck forward role, and, and Max King we haven't seen play yet. 
But then Jack Nunes obviously exercises his rights to, to, to leave the club. Do you then sit down and go to work again and go, well, we've got this many delisted free agents that are mature recruits in the competition that might be able to serve that purpose, be it hypothetically, I don't know, economy energy or something like that. And, mm. and then you go back to work again and think, well, we either go to the draft or, or we go and, and get someone mature. Yeah, absolutely. And we plan ahead for this sort of thing. We mm. try and uh, foresee that that's going to happen down the track and make sure we've got um, players covered to fill those roles if we need to go and get them. Now, the trade period itself, yep. um, when you, yourself, do you head into Etihad when they have it, oh, at Marvel, sorry, when they have it there and get into the rooms and everything? I mean, from the outside, we see the first week and week and a bit, not much sounds like it's happening, but mm. how, how busy is that period really? Um, well, from my from my point of view, from my role, um, it's not that busy for me. I'm, all my work's already done, evaluating players and so forth. For James Gallagher and for uh, Simon Lethleen, it's you know it's a huge period of the time for them. They're very busy because they're 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 actually contacting other clubs even prior to the trade week and then during trade week trying to get things done. So for them, it's really a really busy time. Yeah, would they in case a name does quickly come up out of nowhere, they'll sort of get onto you and ask things. Yeah, they or? will, but. It, Generally, that doesn't happen because yep. you've already spoken to all the clubs and you've spoken to all the managers, so you know going into trade week who's going to be available. Very rarely do you get someone get thrown up uh, yep. at late notice, to be honest. We might um, take a step back and, and uh, I mean, as the guy that's kind of charged with our, our pro recruiting in, in that regard, maybe give our, our listeners a bit of a, a background check on, on your history and where you've come from. And um, I guess a lot of fans probably never have heard your name. Mm. Um, so why don't you give us a bit of a, a history on, on where you've come from and, and what you've been doing kind of since you uh, got into footy? Yeah, well, I, I'm, I played um, some under-19 and reserve footy um, at the VFL level. Um, and then I played football uh, out in the eastern suburbs for, for East Bellwood until I was about 25, 26, and my knees gave away, so then I gave it away. <laughs> and then I got into some coaching, and I've coached uh, – I coached – uh, Wandon for three years up at the Yarra Valley Mountain District. I coached uh, Mitchum and East Burwood in the Eastern League. Um, from there, I went to uh, Coburg as an assistant to Alan Richardson in the VFL, um, did the forwards and a bit of opposition stuff there, and then um, followed him to the Bulldogs, where I, again, did a bit of opposition and I had a match day role in the box, working with Peter Road and, um, and Rocket, Rocket Eat. Um, so uh, that, that they were part-time roles, um, and from there I went to um, Collingwood and did a couple of years in recruiting, mainly doing the state league stuff for Collingwood in a couple of years. And what happens is along the way you meet all the coaches and you get a bit of a network going, and um, I was lucky enough to have uh, Chris Bond give me a call while I was at Collingwood, I think in 2009, asked me to do the opposition over at Fremantle for, for well, full-time role for... I've been there for well, I was there for eight years, I suppose, full time. Yeah. Right. And then the last year and year and a quarter, three quarters, I've been at um, St Kilda. I started in March. Uh, okay. Two years ago. Yeah. So a couple of uh, off-track questions. What's uh, what's Rocket like in the box? And and secondly, what's it like working with uh, Ross Lyon here? That he's a bit of a hard taskmaster. Yeah. He, yeah. Ross is a hard taskmaster, but I mean, it, it does make you better. It make, he's he's someone who um, he strives to to. Um, for excellence, and, and and if you're working for him, you've got to do the same. Um, I, I, I really um, learned a hell of a lot from Ross in the period of time I was working for him. I uh, probably earned, learned more in footy from him than anybody else, um, and I really enjoyed my time working for Ross. Um, Rocket, 
as far as the box goes, yeah, two different people rock it. <laughs> yeah. He's a fantastic, fantastic bloke outside the box, yeah. <laughs> inside the box. Uh, and I used to sit next to him doing the board in the box. So, um, you know, he used to cop the sprays all the time. But, uh, <laughs> sort of, yeah, he sort of... Yeah, and out a little bit towards the end. Yeah, there's a few famous sound bites from Rocket in the <laughs> yeah, Box. Yeah, no, no, but it's uh, it's always it's always fun. But uh, outside of the box, he's completely different. Yeah, we've heard him dispute that, but we've heard his players suggest that that was had to have been in him based on that. Based on that, in, in terms of your your analytics, I mean, I think the best judge is generally the eye. But how much do you use data and, and things like that? Would you be someone where you'd if you're looking at a play, you get a full rundown of numbers and GPS and all of that sort of stuff, or, or is it just simply a case of I watch his one-on-one work, I do this, and, and I think he's the right fit for us? Yeah, it's a mixture of all. I use I use a lot of data. Mm. Um, then I go and watch live, um, and then I'll go back and watch the vision again. So yeah, it's it's a bit of bit of everything for me. I, I like the data. I think the da- data steers you in the right direction, and then it's a matter of going and ticking the boxes and and looking live and then just going and having a look again and as far as the vision goes. So we, we use all, all of those areas. Does it ever come into conflict where it's the numbers are telling you that a player might not be up to it, for example, and but your eyes telling you, look, there's something there that, that I really rate in, in this particular player and, and sometimes you're in conflict saying, well, everyone's saying one thing, but what I'm seeing with my own eyes is, mm. is suggesting that maybe we take a punt. Yeah, I think the data, data doesn't lie, so um, it's more the other way around. I think the data yep. will, will take you where you want to go, and then it's, then you have a look with your eye, and you either tick it off or you say, no, I don't agree with that. Because mm. um, there can be, you know, there's, uh, there's data and there's data, but and how you use that data is really important. Um, but, yeah, I use it uh, quite a bit and then follow it up with what I see. So the club brought in Darren O'Shaughnessy yeah. um, early last, at the start of last season, to mm. um, head up a, a new analytics department. Mm. How closely do you guys work with him and, and his team in terms of your, your recruiting roles? Yeah, very closely. Yeah, Darren does a lot of work for the recruiting side of things as well as the, the game day um, analytical work he does. Um, a lot of, uh, we have rating systems for every player in the competition uh, and grading systems. Mm. Um and Darren's helped build all of that for us um, and put his expertise into that. So we f- we think we've got a pretty good system now where we can save a lot of time, um, we can get the right results from players spat out from, as far as data goes. How much have the new facilities been used as a bit of a lure for some players? Because I've heard it's in comparison to most teams in the league now, we've sort of moved ahead of most of them. Um, and we've still got more development coming up as well with um, mm. new the new little stand coming in, and um, it's just going to be a central hub there for players to use when they want. And has it, has it been really pushed on any players much? Or I hadn't really been pushed on, but I've been. I think it's significant moving back into Moorabbin <coughs> and being near the Bay Area. It's 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 something that you can really sell to players if mm. you're trying to get to the cl- to, to the club. And the new facility is certainly something you can sell to them as well. It makes it a lot easier. Yep. Um, but they, but then on top of that, you still got to do the work and present the right way to the player, and mm. uh, in order to get them to want to come over and play. But it certainly has helped. Yep. We look this season, and of course, as you say, it is home. But so St Kilda brings in some some ruck depth in in Ryder, a, a small forward in in Butler, a bit of pace in in Jones, and, and clearly uh, Brad Hill and, and a key position defender. So in terms of the boxes you wanted to tick. Have you ticked all of them? Are there still areas where, I mean, I know it's constant improvement, but did you come in with a plan and, and effectively nail all parts of the, the puzzle? Yeah, we, we, we were happy with what we did. We were, we're sort of, 
we've got to be a little bit patient. It's not going to happen overnight. We've got to change quite a few areas. We're certainly uh, a list that needs to get better at the top end. That's And it's a clear indicator for success that the clubs with the top end uh, talent are the ones that are being successful. So we've chipped away at that. We needed to uh, address uh, some midfield run and speed and talent. And we've certainly done that with um, with Brad Hill and, and Zach Jones. Um, we needed also to add more run connection from our uh, forward line to our midfield, and Dan Butler will give us that. Um, everybody knows about the Paddy Ryder one. It's going to help. It's going to help Rowan. It's going to certainly help him. So we needed to bring in someone that we could use like that with Paddy. And of course, as I said before, with Dougal, uh, we, were, we we sort of looked at a last line defender or a key defender as being critical going forward, especially with getting some older players in on the list. So with a, a player going out, so so Jack Stephen nominates Geelong. In the end, it's for a pick. Mm. But when that becomes apparent, so Jack Stephen comes to the club and says, I want to go to Geelong, does the club go to you and say, if we were to get a player from Geelong, who best serves our needs? So if we need speed or youth, who are four names that we could put on the list for them and say, this might get it done? Is that sort of something that would happen? Yeah, not really like that. It'll be that um, I'll identify that that's a club that's mm. looking at Jack and um, I'll just make sure I've done a bit more work on that whole list mm-hmm. so that if they do uh, offer up anything that um, we'll be over it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, it's not generally just sort of narrowing in on any particular type of player. It's just mainly, mainly knowing that their list, knowing their list from inside out, see if there was anyone to, to come available. As, as someone whose role it is to, to analyse footy talent and, and AFL lists, where do you see ours sitting now as compared to six weeks ago? Um, well, we certainly, um, in the long-term strategy is, has been to get in some high-level talent. Um, and also, we don't, with, at the same time, we don't really want to be getting any younger. Um, and we, we certainly uh, thought we addressed both of those needs. So I think we'll be a little bit better. I think what you'll see from the Saints is in maybe two or three years will be the time um, that we'll be looking at trying to uh, be successful. But, I mean, it's early days. We're certainly going to improve a little bit. We're going to be add a little more depth and be a little more, bit more um, pressure on players to perform. But I would think that, you know, we've got to be a little bit patient. We, we expect this to be a little bit better, but, you know, we're not getting over the top with it. It seems like adding that experience and bigger body has been a clear strategy over the last couple of years. Is that something that has has kind of been uh, part of your role is to identify those bigger yeah. bodies and stronger stronger guys? Yeah, and I do a fair bit of work on uh, other lists as well where they all sit age demographic, games demographic. Um, I like to look at the best 25 in, in each club and see where they sit with that. And we're clearly in the bottom three for age and games. Yeah. So it's an area we really, we really need to get better at. So uh, bringing in those more mature guys um, certainly helps. Even the last year in the draft, we brought a few more mature age players in, in Hind and Parker and so forth. So that's we're trying to get that up a little bit, but at the same time not get caught out with um, too many players that are just role players within the club. We want to get high-end talent into the club at the same time. So is Ben King, is his name still, I know he signed a contract, but as we said, it doesn't mean as much anymore. Does he still have a, an underline, a circle or an asterisk next to his name thinking that uh, 
uh, he'll be uh, public target number one. Oh, look, I would think, look, Ben. Ben's playing some really good footy up there. You can see him developing into a really good player and if he's going to be coming out of contract and he's a Victorian, he'll certainly be on our radar as well as probably you know, two or three other clubs as well. Um, so we'll certainly be doing the work and following him. What is what is the um, the day-to-day, I guess, boring things of your job look like? I mean, is, is it as simple as watching tape and, and watching footy? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, during the week it is. It's just watching tape, looking at numbers, um, a lot of, uh, you know, work as far as travel and organising travel and so forth. If you're going in a state, uh, we have two or three part-timers that we use in all areas of our recruiting. So it's organising those guys as well. Um, but, yeah, most of the time it is um, coming in, having a look at the numbers, going to the vision, making sure you do the vision, cutting edits, putting packages together, you know, doing all that along the way during the week. And and at what level does, I guess, a player's character come into it or is your role pure talent, skill level? Uh, no, no, the character comes into it. But, I mean, we've got a pretty good team of recruiters down there and it's not just me. It's um, it's everybody gets involved with that sort of thing. Uh, if if that's the case. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's good to get feedback from others as well, not just me. Uh, I might have a, a contact that might know somebody or something, but one of the other boys in the recruiting department might have one as well. So we'll use we'll use all the other guys as well in that area. Yeah. And game day, do you have much of a role for during the game? Or no, no, I don't. Don't no, do anything? No, no, I don't do anything game day. Um, uh, I'm basically at probably other grounds at the same time as we're playing anyway, watching, looking at other players, players, players and yep, most yep. Of the time, yeah. Um, every, occasionally, you try. We try and get our recruiters through um, the Saints games so that um, they get a feel for the list a bit better. Uh, I'm the same. Every now and then, you watch a Saints game just to see what what you think we need and mm. get a bit of bit of better range on what type of player you might need to get into the club yep. as well. The final one for me, and that's a good point. I was going to bring that up as to, to how much of your own side do you have to watch in terms mm. of identifying that. But um, what is more more pressure? You, you spoke about being on the board in the in the box uh, with with Rodney Eden, people like that. Do you do you prefer it sort of now, or, or would you? I guess do you miss a part of that that sort of game day role that you've had? Yeah, you do miss it. You do miss the game day um, role. But I mean, it's. Um I think week to week when you do the opposition and stuff like that, it's a, it, there's deadline and deadline to, to meet and it's, a, it's quite a stressful role. Um, whereas recruiting, you've got really a full year to get things right and it might, it might be the, most, the biggest deadline you might have might be two or three weeks. Whereas um, when you do the box roles or opposition roles, it's a, you know, it's a, a week to week proposition as far as getting everything done and ready to go and got to make sure you've got everything right so there's probably a bit more pressure involved with that <laughs> well the um the proof will ultimately be in the pudding but st kilda identified targets they, they got them all you've left a certainly at this point a, a very satisfied supporter base with the work over the the last few months so well done on on all of that on and good luck going forward hopefully it does generate rewards but thanks for giving us uh, some insights no worries no problem thanks very much guys thanks steve now they've got a chance. Back from Fletcher, it comes again. Morris kicks long to half forward. Low. Causing major problems. Here's another one. This will be Winmark. The Saints are alight. 
to catch up with Stephen Lenny there. And that piece of audio you heard was the last time we played Hawthorne at Moorabbin. It was round four, 1992. Tony Lockett kicked six in that game. It was our final season at the venue. And the Moorabbin, as always, was pumping a great win against the reigning champs. And St Kilda will return to Moorabbin on the 20th or before that with the AFLW. But on the 20th of February, they'll take on Hawthorne again on a Thursday night. And... I think most St Kilda supporters listening to this that are in and around Melbourne will try their hardest to get there. I'll, I'll certainly be blanking that night out. And, and being at Moorabbin, I'm of the younger vintage. You didn't get to remember too much about Moorabbin in, uh, in the early days, but it, but it is terrific to be back, H. And uh, taking on Hawthorne, another traditional uh, Victorian side, should be a great night. Yeah, uh, it'd be nice to see some of the new players out there mm. having a go. Um, I mean, obviously we have no idea about our new recruits yet in the way of from the draft, um, whether any new players come from another team as well, yeah. on top of that. Um, but yeah, just I mean, King getting out there, just having a quick run, and Ryder probably, I don't think probably would have a game starting yeah, off. He'd probably be too, not. Look, yeah, probably start a little in, bit later on. We'll see other ones in Morewell against Collingwood, so yeah, that's another good to have two games in Victoria. So whether he plays the home, the more home game yeah. instead of mm. going traveling out there, who knows? Um, but yeah, just just to get back out there would be great to see. It'd be nice to get a good crowd there and be a yeah. nice night. And um, you talk about the thinking about the AFLW as well. Um, they actually to actually play there the following night as well. So it would, would a double header would have been nice, but would have been, been nice. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Hawthorne don't have a side, but they could they do have a VFL side. Yeah, so we could have played them, or we could have played another but yeah, AFLW because they're into team. the season Certainly. though. They, yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's great to see. I mean, I'm curious to see how they set it up now because there's no seating like there used to be with the grandstand. Not yet. Not yet. I'll, <laughs> I'll fix that up. But yeah, Nick, we were, we're all there for, for Spud's funeral, unfortunately, not that long ago, and sort of thinking about memories of football there, and, and we get to we get to live some. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, you know, like you, it was kind of there for the, the tail end of that that Moorabbin yeah. journey, uh, and, and only have kind of limited memories of of those early days in my footy you know journey, but. Uh, it is super exciting. It's always, it's, it's always been somewhere that I've felt you know, really connected to as, as a St Kilda supporter. I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to live not far away, just off, off South Road in Oakley South. And, uh, I'll be there for sure. Uh, I'm hoping to head to a, a few of the AFLW games there as well. I signed up for my membership yesterday. AFLW, so uh, get around the girls if, if you can. For sure, absolutely. And uh, still free entry for a lot of that. Um, there, there are some paid games in the, the AFLW at some of the more boutique stadiums, mm. which we'll, we'll talk about Moorabbin being one of those. But, um, yeah, great, great results. So counting the AFLW girls, there'll be at least five games at Moorabbin across the, the February-March period. Hopefully they play finals in the AFLW and, and, and get another one uh, along the way. But yeah, So Hawthorne in the, J, in the I was going to say JLT, in the, in the Marsh Community Shield, I think it is. And then, which, which is funny because I thought the one-day comp was legitimately named after the Marsh family. I genuinely <laughs> believe that was the case. Which one? <laughs> Which Marsh? Well, Jeff, maybe. I don't know. Or Rod. Just, and again, just, they love Mitch. You're Rod. But I, I, just I, all I, of them. I heard Marsh Cup, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's they're paying homage to uh, the cricketing family. Then I saw it in the preseason as well, and I'm like, what, Jonathan Marsh? Or... No, I don't know. What, what, <laughs> yeah. what do they actually do? I haven't. No. <laughs> maybe that's the thing. They want people to Google them. But yeah, exactly. Google Marsh. It might come up with, with anything. But uh, then they play Collingwood at, at Morwell. Morwell usually gets a, a game. I was at mm. Morwell for... Uh, my football club's grand final in the uh, in the earlier part of the year. It is a good venue to to, to watch football, so that that's another one to to go to against Collingwood, and then round one North Melbourne. We we know that Gold Coast in Darwin and the China trip, and, and it looks like talking to Steve off air that uh, they might be back to back again. again. Yep. Mm. Yes, tough tough <laughs> run, 
Tough run. And a disclaimer, yeah, so we recorded this on a Tuesday. Fixture will be out within a couple of days of recording this. So. Yeah. Yeah, so basically that's all we know. So, mm. um, I mean, it, it kind of worked okay this year with the um, China trip, then Townsville. We're kind of acclimatised to for Townsville, I think. It, yeah, and we got um, away with it. So. Yeah, well, we... <laughs> We Pretty sort of outlasted them in the end, I guess, and um, came home a bit stronger. But I mean, China obviously beat us up a little bit. Um, all half the team's sick, and but then yeah, got the week week off and came back and played you've, played a reasonable. You think game. we'd be better better for the run this year? Yeah, or next year I should yeah. say. But we'll, we'll having learned done it once from, and learn from it this year. Yeah, it seems the right. China thing was just good old fashioned bad luck. Like they they did all the right reconnaissance on the restaurants and they got sick on the flight. I think yeah. from a bug that was in the plane. So. That certainly Blake Akers got sick over there. So, I mean, they, they did everything right. It just... Um, Lindsay Fox have his own plane, does he? Well, yeah. Surely we could charter one and Bassett maybe could sort of put the hand in the pocket and <laughs> and, and find a way through for us. But, um, but yeah, so, so it looks like that'll that'll happen. Um, hearing some whispers that we haven't been looked after too well in terms of interstate fixtures, that there might be quite a few of those. Um, don't think we go to Tassie again. Heard whispers of maybe Canberra. That would be GWS, yeah, yes, yep, you'd yep. think. I'd, I'd hope for Brisbane, Sir Kilda fans, that yeah. there's a game there. It's been way too long, yeah. no game in Brisbane. I mean, they're going to be hard to beat wherever we play them, you'd think. But, um, yeah, we haven't been to the Gabba for, I think, 2014 or 15 would have been the last time. And as long as we don't have to go to – I could accept going to Adelaide twice, as long as we don't have to go to Perth twice. And if we do have to go to Perth once, if it could be Frio rather than West Coast, that would mm. be nice. Yeah, I don't know how much pull we have with uh... – with head office to, to make that happen. No. But, um, yeah, look, it, I think we've been hard done by a couple of times in some of that the scheduling with the mm. two Perth trips, two Adelaide trips uh, for a number of years. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know what the, the Friday night situation is, is for us. It'd be interesting uh, to see what happens there. If we, we haven't, we we haven't been publicly ruled out, so hopefully that's something. Hopefully, good sign. Good sign. Mm. Whispers calm don't have any, but I mean, uh, those yeah. are the Thursday night to begin the season, so they've got a Big game. Interesting given the, the hype around them and, and kind of the, the state that mm. their list is in and the youth and, and how mm. exciting they are, you know, Paddy Cripps and, and those guys. But it is it is interesting if that is the case that they haven't been given a Friday night game because you'd think that the AFL would want to use that mm. a, as kind of a whether know, they've got, card. Whether they've got, I mean, the first game for Richmond game, whether they've got one of the other Thursday games between the buy rounds though as well. Potentially. I mean, they could have two, yeah, prime time Thursday games. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. I guess I'll probably give Essendon 15 blockbuster games a year, despite being the worst performed Victorian side of the last 20 years or so. Um, how many How many days since they won a final? Oh, it'd be it's edging towards 6,000. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> it would be edging towards 6,000. I think we've actually, believe it or not, despite our lack of success, we've won seven finals in that time. Yeah, I think so. That they've... Uh, that they've had to wait, so yeah, quite. Do love uh, that Twitter account. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> long, long may that, uh, long may that continue. I think, but uh, AFLW, the uh, we've had the the draft and uh, pretty good haul for for St Kilda. We said so four games at Moorabbin for St Kilda. They'll also play at Victoria Park and they'll also play at Princess Park. So for traditionalists, that's a that's a great result. But just with the draft hall, Georgia Patrikios, uh, who won the Vic Metro BNF, uh, came in at pick five, also won the championships BNF. Uh, we got Rosie Dillon from the Box Hill Hawks at pick 24. Nicola Zenos with pick 27 from Oakley. Tani White is a Queenslander with pick 30. And Tamara Hill, another Box Hill Hawk, 
at pick 33. A lot of midfielders amongst that group. And then Hannah Priest from Norwood at pick 41. So, I believe Dylan won the Hawth, the yes, Hawks yeah, Best and Ferris too. Yes. Correct. Yes. Yep. So, um, looks to be a reasonable squad with uh, Peter Searle at the helm. Yeah, certainly the draft hall is, is, is more impressive than mm. the, the picks that we have for the, the yes. men's team. <laughs> um, but it's, it certainly looks like an impressive list that, they, that they've put together. Um, obviously performed really well in, in the VFLW this season, uh, played finals in their first, first year in the, in the competition. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's going to be really nice to see red, white and black running around at, at Rabin and, and like you said, Vic Park and Princess Park. Um, we, we've seen some lower league competition played at, at Rabin over the, the last kind of five years or so, but it's gonna be really nice to see that, that red, white and black jumper running around again. Such a lower level that even we played there, I think. We did. <laughs> at one point many years ago, um, so the Western Bulldogs in round one of the AFLW at Moorabbin for the uh, for the Saints, which is on the 8th of February, I believe, or at least on that weekend. Um, so that's a, that's a nice one for, for us to start with. So a Moorabbin start for the preseason and for the AFLW. So, um, and you can pick up memberships. I think it's 60 bucks for the, uh, for the AFLW girls, which is pretty good. And just 30 bucks for, for juniors. And most games are free. Not all of them are free, but it is a great way to support the club, particularly if you're going to get to multiple games. And the good part about the fixture for the saints is that you can six of the eight games are here. They've got one in Adelaide, and one in some far-flung part of Western Australia because the West Coast, I think, are playing yeah. home games at five venues or something. Mineral Park or something, something in Perth or yeah. something at Scaldwood. I mean, Mineral know. Park makes it sound like it's in Broome or something, but it's probably not that far. No. But, um, yeah, given our AFL fixture, they'll probably play the Adelaide and the Perth games consecutively. Yeah. <laughs> but um, So that's the, the AFLW rap. Paddy McCartan uh, spoke on, on SEN during the week, and I don't know about you guys, but I think most of us were resigned to the fact that he would probably never play again through most of the back half of the year, but it sounds like some pretty positive news. I'll play a couple of audio snippets where he talks about um, having spasms in his eye, which were caused by the accumulative concussions and uh, it was affecting his sleep and things like that. And apparently doctors have said that that is fixable. So that's the biggest issue affecting him in terms of headaches and light and sound. And that can be fixed over an eight to 10 month rehab period. So He's off the Saints list. Uh, he'll rehab with the club. He'll train with the club. He'll be paid by the club. And then hopefully all things going to plan, he can come back. You've still got that nagging fear in your head that what if he gets knocked out in his first game back? Jordan Lewis type hit. But um, he's a determined boy, and I think he'll get the support of everyone in, in this fight. Yeah, and I think if he comes back, he uh, probably, I don't know, does he play a year in the lower level first just to, he, I think he kind of needs to change, yeah. change his game up. That's, that's the one thing I've, I've been really saying along the lines. He, he grew up playing against kids who he most of them smaller than yeah. him and stepped into the AFL and, but he just hasn't changed the game to protect himself in. It's very much an old and, fashioned, an old fashioned forward. Yeah. Kind of the big body. Yeah. Want to, want to bully want to bully your defender. Yeah, but he's just, he just hasn't been able to protect himself from those knocks, and the last few haven't been that big looking no, at him. Some of them have been so innocuous, mm, yeah. shoulder here and there, or, you know, clip the ground and, and that sort of stuff. Rewalt talks about, Nick Rewalt's spoken a lot about how you protect your body when you fly for marks, just with your, your arms, you almost tuck mm. your knees in and with your elbows and stuff like that, and and he is a bit kamikaze. Max Hudson used to be a bit mm. that way um, back in, in sort of his career, but... 
Yeah, I think, and the concern is that if Paddy gets right and puts himself into the draft, that anyone can take him. But I honestly don't think that would happen. I think clubs would respect the work that's been done and respect the wishes of the player to get to a club. You, you usually, Simon Lethlin didn't want to say that the other day because I think it amounts to draft tampering. But um, yeah, if if he's fit, he'll get back to us. Mm. I think. Look, yeah. it's it's a really devastating story, and, yeah. and forgetting the the football side of it from. He's, he's a young man Correct. For, yeah. for the last year and a half has struggled to even go out and have breakfast at a cafe mm. yeah. with his girlfriend or with his family. Yeah. Um, can't, can't go out and have beers with the boys or, and you know, all that sort of stuff mm. that a, a normal 21, 22 year old kid is going to want to do. Um, he hasn't been able to enjoy his life and, and the lifestyle of, you know, of being a rock star AFL player. He hasn't been able to enjoy that at all. Mm. Um, and he, and he hasn't been able to do what he loves doing. So I, I feel really sorry for him. Mm. Um, he's obviously a really high character kid as well. Yeah. Um, he speaks really well. He's obviously, um, really passionate about bringing awareness to, to concussion issues. And, and I think he's been really brave in speaking out about sure. some of the, the issues mm-hmm. that he's faced mm-hmm. over the last 12 to 18 months. And I think that's one of the, the roles that he'll, he'll, uh, cover with the club over the next 12 months is that he'll kind of be an ambassador for, for concussion issues and, and other concussion victims, mm. as well as kind of the, the diabetes stuff that, that he's working through as well. Um, but, but I think he's a really high character person and, uh, you know, you'd, you'd be loath to lose him completely. I think given, sure. given what he's done with the club and what the club's done with him, um, to lose him completely from the system would be a, would be a shame. Yeah. But just thinking along the lines of draft and the lower level, do we send him to Sandringham and then utilise the mid mid season draft? Interesting. It'd be interesting. I mean, I'm sure these are all ideas that they bounced around, but it was pleasing to hear. And I'll play those two grabs of, of Paddy McCartan now. One about um, obviously the circumstance he faced, and and secondly, uh, what the future might hold for him and his desire to play for St Kilda. I think there was a lot of times there where I was sort of like stuff this. I don't I don't really know if I can. I can't because I couldn't. I can't go through this again. Mm. Like if I if I go through this again, I'll be in a bit of strife because it was so it's been so difficult. But I think when I went in there on Friday and they sort of gave me the confidence that they think it can correct itself, but it's just going to take a lot of time, which is which is fine. Like that's all good. But firstly, that I can get back to like quality of life that I had before is the best part. But then potentially on top of that, that I can get back and play footy is also awesome. And I think I sort of said to Lewis and a few people over the last week or so that, you know, when it's all done and I hopefully I'm getting back and starting pre-season this time next year, best case scenario, which would be awesome. I've missed two years of footy, which is a lot, but obviously I don't lose what I had before and I think potentially I could get that on the back end. So mm. I might be able to grab a couple of extra years at the end where, you know, I might have just been the norm if I played the whole way through. So I think I'm just trying to look at it positively. <laughs> Lethers, the docs, the coaches, um, Tony Brown, our welfare guy. Yeah, they, they haven't been through anything like this before either. So they're sort of learning on the fly a bit too and yeah they've been fantastic so as I said before like I've sort of worked out what this rehabilitation with the Epworth looks like and then um, you know hopefully with some of that stuff I can tie it into being at the club seeing the boys because I love the, love the boys and you know sort of hanging around and then you know all going to plan I sort of fix myself up get myself right and then um, can potentially get back on the list and I guess it works out for the club too like they get a bit of relief yeah. in the salary cap in the end it's worked out what's best for me too so I think everyone's a winner, I guess. Um, and then, you know, hopefully it just works out that all this is sorted um, and I can come back and just keep playing with the Sainers. Paddy McCartan. Yeah, I guess they're the options. And, yeah, he said that he walked into the meeting last Friday having got back from Bali completely accepting the fact that they were going to tell him his career was finished. Mm. Uh, they told him it wasn't. And um, that obviously creates all sorts of possibilities. But 
Yeah, we uh, we certainly wish him the best. Um, number one draft pick, that doesn't matter so much. He's shown quite a few signs over the journey that he can make it, but yeah, he's certainly made of good character, and you want to keep people like that around your footy club, that's for sure. So all the best to Paddy, uh, who will technically be a part of the St Kilda system over the journey. Uh, draft is next, but anything else we want to uh, we want to finish on? Uh, we've got a few weeks. We don't have a strong draft hand, but... Um, Few delisted free agents floating around. Yeah, I think I think also we've, we've kind of spoken about the, I, I guess the the unfortunate aspect of, of footy and and health with, with Paddy, but I think we'd be remiss not to mention the the possibility of having a full strength Dylan Robertson back yeah. at, at the footy club yeah. and and doing what he does best, and and he's a super important player mm. for our, our defensive unit, but also from a leadership perspective, you know, he plays footy the right way, he knows how to lead the group, the the, the players, the boys love him and they respect him and the way he goes about it. Um, and, and he's a really big in, I think, some, someone that, that kind of gets forgotten a little yep. bit. Yeah. You look at the way we broke down when he went, when he finished, and the the back line just looked like there's a huge hole as yeah. soon as he was gone. Yeah. Uh, you could see it straight away. And you're yeah. thinking, That's no, right. And we got, we got incredibly lucky bringing a guy like Cal Wilkie who oh, was yeah. able mm. to slot straight in, in in that role, but the the ability to have both of those guys on the field and, and mm. kind of you know running alternate roles on on halfback flanks and, and being the loose man up or third man up at a contest. And, and uh, you know, it's a really important role for us. And, and I think Dylan is a really important player for yeah. us. Wilkie got a full year in, so he's going to improve as well. Um, but just just a, a fit list. Yeah. That, that would be oh, the, yeah. one of the best things we could possibly have. The yeah. holes we had last year, the players we were missing, just to go into a season – without any injuries that are going to keep someone out for a full or half a season or require a surgery or it'd be just nice to start clean. I reckon that's and the one thing that Brett Radden would have on his Christmas wish absolutely. list. Absolutely. Have everyone fit and firing coming in a, you know, the, the pre-season. Yep. So the medical staff, Walsh and co, have got a, a fair bit of work to do. That's, uh, that'll do us for this week. You can get in contact with us as well at Unplugged on Twitter, uh, Unplugged podcast on Facebook, is that right? And um, Unplugged podcast on Instagram, I think, as well. And of course, you can uh, email us, unplugged at gmail.com and uh, keep an eye out for those stickers as well. We've got plenty of our previous episodes. If you missed chats with Spider Everett, Adam Schneider, Stephen Milne, Grant Thomas, Lee Montagna, Jaron Geary, they're all floating around in there up on the uh, on the podcast channel so you can uh, search all of that uh, also Spotify and iTunes and Apple and all of that sort of stuff so uh, give us some support and look out for the stickers uh, driving around Melbourne as well we'll finish with the farewell words of Jack Stephen as he departed the club for Geelong after 183 mostly great games with the club G'day Saints fans Jack Stephen here just wanted to say thanks for all the support over the years that I've been here I've had a great time um, your unbelievable supporter group, and um, it's going to be—I'm going to miss you all. Um, but I think it's come for the time for me to head back home and um, look after myself and my family. Um, so, just wanted to say thank you, and it's been a great ride, and I've really enjoyed it. And it's not like a nasty leave or anything. Um, I still love the club, and. Um, all the best for the future and um, just also like to say if anyone's feeling down just speak up Um, that's the best way to do it cheers